Welcome to the Organized Chaos Cafe. I'm your host, Ben Chan. I hope we can talk a bit about project leadership, transformation, and containing a bit of today's craziness. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Organized Chaos Cafe. Today, I have a wonderful guest, Mitch Jacobson. Now, he started out of university with a background in petroleum engineering, but through a series of events, he's now the CEO of Revita Energy Tea, based out of Calgary. And it's a unique cross-section of both energy drink and tea and a healthy alternative to coffee and energy drinks on the market. And they've also developed a unique way of their packaging where it's a low-carbon footprint package And their product is now in over 600 stores across Canada, and they have their site set for an international horizon. So thanks so much for joining me today, Mitch. Ben, that was a wonderful introduction. It's an absolute honor to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No, that's awesome. And I came across Revita Energy Tea, you know, doing my practice runs. Um, We met on LinkedIn, and I posted about my completion of the marathon, And I remember going to my local Sobeys and stopping there and just, I didn't want to find anything super sugary. I wanted to find something that still supplied me energy, but wasn't also like super carbonated because no one wants to run with a stomach full of gas, right? And so it was really cool just, you know, seeing you reach out to me and, and for me, just kind of discovering that product of the Revita Energy Tea. I thought it'd be great to have you on the show here to be able to discuss project leadership stories you might have and just seeing how your entrepreneurial journey has been. Certainly. Well, Thank you, Ben, one, for supporting us. You know, stories like that is the reason why we do this and providing people with a healthy alternative. Like you said, carbonated drinks aren't for everyone and they're certainly not for every activity. So just appreciate, you know, hearing these stories and it's, uh, yeah, an honor to be here. Yeah. And for you, maybe what's the story behind Revita and why you started it? Because you started off as a petroleum engineer, but now you've kind of moved in a almost a different tangent here into food products. What's kind of prompted you, that move there? Yeah, a bit of a 180A went from petroleum engineering to selling tea. So I think <laughs> a lot of people thought I was crazy doing that. A petroleum engineer out of school, worked for an amazing company here in Calgary and learned a ton from them. But there was this incident in my life that you know always didn't sit well with me when I was in university. I was out with a friend one night, he was in his early 20s, he ended up having a heart attack from energy drinks. So he's okay now, but I took him to the hospital. It was this really scary event, especially for a young, healthy guy. And it really got me thinking, like, what is in these drinks? Like, you know, you look at the ingredient deck on some of them and their chemicals that I'd never heard before, can't even pronounce some of them. And so that was something that always bothered me. But sure enough, three, four years out of school and my career working downtown in oil and gas, I was drinking energy drinks just about every day to the point where my boss actually came in my office one day and he's like, are you okay? Like, I don't think those things are very good for you. And so that was really the light bulb moment for me is why is there no healthy alternative out there? You know, if I really want to look after my health, you know, I still want an energy beverage or something that's going to keep me productive at the office. You know, why is there no healthy alternative? I certainly couldn't find one in the market. And so even though I had no idea what I was doing, I set out to create it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And how did you get to the point where you thought that tea was the good alternative as opposed to something else? Because I've I've seen even now Perrier, they have their, I don't know, energy water. Uh, I haven't looked at the ingredient list on that one, but there's there's all different sorts of 
beverages out there. What kind of made you gravitate and, and base your business off of tea? Yeah, really great question, Ben. So initially, we didn't plan to use tea. I just wanted to use natural caffeine, something you know, that was naturally occurring in nature. And we started doing research and started using a whole bunch of different caffeine blends and just seeing how it made us feel. And what I could never figure out is I would drink a hot cup of coffee and I drink a hot cup of tea and I would always feel way better with the tea. You know, I drink a cup of coffee and I'd crash an hour later, whereas the tea, it just felt sustained over a longer period of time. And so we really got into the research of how the caffeine molecule absorbs into your body. And when you look at tea, tea naturally contains amino acids. It can contain L-theanine and these other amino acids really that can combine with that caffeine molecule. So the nerdy science really behind it is tea naturally contains tannins and these amino acids that can combine with that caffeine molecule. And there's been research showing that it actually prolongs the effects of the caffeine. So you don't get that same crashing effect as you would say from synthetic caffeine or sometimes caffeine and, and other caffeinated beverages. So that just that research and trial and error is what led us down the road of using tea. That's really interesting. So then if I'm listening to you correctly, you use yourself as guinea pigs on a whole bunch of varieties of energy drinks. That's right, Ben. Yeah, there's this funny picture of me sitting at, at a home office and the entire desk is covered in every imaginable energy drink. Like I just turned myself into a human guinea pig and did the same thing with my family. And we just went back and forth trying every imaginable concoction you can think of. And that was eventually how we just landed on tea. Huh, interesting. So as engineer to engineer speaking <laughs> here, and, and it sounds like a interesting science experiment, how do you gauge, I guess, how someone feels with the different energy drinks, right? Like I can imagine maybe it's like a monster or Red Bull and all these other kind of things. How, how does one gauge whether they're feeling that crash or not? Like, is it through time elapsed? And what, what are the things that kind of go into that experiment? Yeah, well, you know what? It wasn't... Uh... We didn't do it. We didn't take the most scientific method. It was mostly anecdotal evidence, right? So I experimented with drinking, you know, famous energy drinks, like the ones you see in, in the stores and advertised on TV and radio. And I would drink them at different points during the day. And I would record how I felt, you know, an hour or two hours later. And when I, what was interesting is I started doing this consistently. So I was drinking two, three energy drinks a day. I've never had heartburn in my life. And I just started developing heartburn. I started developing sleeping issues. Like it was crazy to me when I was consistently drinking these things, how different my health felt. So to answer your question, it was, there was no real scientific method to it. It was mostly just anecdotal evidence and just trying a bunch of different energy drinks, different products, different caffeine sources, everything from caffeine pills to coffee to tea, and then really just recording how I would feel drinking them and how I would feel, you know, one hour, two hour, five hours later. And we just really kept coming back to the whole tea thing. And that's when we did the research. There's probably a lot more than I'd like to go and uh, try because I think after a certain period, yeah, I just can't sleep if I have an energy drink too <laughs> I probably should have so. a few years off my life doing it, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Your body was bored, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and when you started doing this, was it just yourself or did you have others that were on the journey with you? Yeah. So, I mean, initially the idea was kind of just myself. And then right away I brought on, you know, went to my sister, Carly and Rob, other business partner. So it's the three of us. So it was the combination of the three of us going back and forth and doing all this testing that ended up founding the company. And 
we're still going strong today. I'm so incredibly blessed to have them on the team. And it's just a joy getting to work with, you know, my best friend and my sister every single day. Well, that's awesome. And with, you know, working with a team like that, what have been the characteristics or mindset that's helped you really be able to create the results you wanted to? Yeah, well, it was a lot of what we were discussing before we even started the podcast, Ben, is, is really trying to develop becoming a leader. And I'd say the most challenging part of entrepreneurship so far has been that side, you know, the people management side, really developing my own leadership skills. I think as engineers, generally we are strong technically, but we don't always, or a lot of engineers don't always have the best people skills, right? And it's something that needs to be developed. And I'm no exception to that. So I think spending a lot of time studying leadership, reading the books, listening to the podcasts, and learning from my mistakes as a leader here at Revita. So being the CEO, it's kind of my job to set the pace and make the high, big high level decisions and make sure that the team is looked out for. And I've made lots of mistakes, but you know, I pride myself on trying not to, you know, if I touch the stove once, I'm not going to touch it again. I, I've heard that engineers are also a little bit of a, a stubborn group too. So, you know, <laughs> that is certainly true. <laughs> You know, the other piece is then also the packaging, like you've kind of touted that as the low carbon alternative. I remember it is in that kind of flexible packaging. It does remind me a bit of like a Capri Sun a little bit. I don't I don't know. How how did you guys go about selecting uh, a different packaging module than, say, the traditional can or or Tetra pack? Yeah, you're so right, Ben. So we use a flexible, a spouted flexible beverage pouch. So you're right, it has sort of that nostalgic feel of Capri Sun, but we have, you know, a regular spout and cap that, you know, any drinking bottle would have. So we actually have an industrial design on that. So it's it's completely unique to the market. But to answer your question, when I first started, I thought this was going to be in a can or a glass bottle. Those are the two packaging types that we really wanted to look into. But the engineer in me wanted to research the environmental sustainability of all the different packaging types. And that's when I was working in oil and gas, I was working in water sustainability. And one of the things that I learned working in oil and gas is you can't necessarily just look at the end of life of a material. You have to look at the full life cycle of it. What's the carbon footprint of that material? And that's how you make the proper evaluation of whether it's environmental or not. And so when I really started looking at the data, what was fascinating to me is even though you know, aluminum and glass, they, they tote it's infinitely recyclable. And that's great. Absolutely. But if you look at the water usage, the greenhouse gas emissions, and really just the carbon footprint of these packaging types, because they're, they take up a lot of space. They're generally heavier. There's a lot of disadvantages there. And this one packaging type for beverages that I didn't see anyone else other than Capri Sun, of course, using on the market was the flexible beverage pouch because it uses less materials and it can be shipped flat when it's empty, right? As opposed to a glass bottle, right? That's getting shipped fully formed and very heavy. If you look at the carbon footprint of it, life cycle, it was by far the best. Like looking at the data, it wasn't even close. And so that's what really steered us in the direction of why don't we do something different, something that hasn't been done before, something that's more environmental. And then for a branding perspective, because it differ it's different, it makes us stand out. So that was really the decision process that took you know over a year to get there almost a couple of years, but that's how we finally got to that, that spot, that decision. Right. So that's crazy because you're moving not just 
trying to bring forward an innovative energy drink to the market, but you're also looking at the industrial design piece of it and and not just saying, oh, we're going to throw it into a bottle, but you're redesigning how it's being packaged and all those other pieces. So then for you, when moving from you know the petroleum engineering into the food retail business, right? What what's been the biggest leap for you that you've had to make? Yeah, it's really just been going to a completely new industry, right? So I was very technically minded as an engineer, working for this great company in oil and gas. But you're kind of a lot of times, you know, living in your box, working on you know some a few technical problems, and then to go over to the beverage industry where it's completely different. You know, now I have to learn sales, right? You know, in a technical engineering job, you're really not spending a lot of time on the sales side and the marketing side. So I think it was just that learning curve of having to go to a completely different industry where I was able to pull a lot of the skills that I developed as an engineer, but I really had to learn the sales and the marketing side of it. And that was a steep learning curve. And I'm still learning so much every day. And it's been so fun to tackle this new challenge for that. I think just that hard transition of going from you know one skill set to a completely different skill set has definitely been a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to lean into my project nerdiness here. Have you found that the way that you run projects from a petroleum engineering side, how does that differ from how you run it inside of the food industry? No, it's. I think it's pretty much the same, actually. And I want to say that anyone coming from the energy industry going to the food and beverage industry, I think you have a a bit of a built-in advantage, I would say, because in, in the energy industry, the timeline, as you know, Ben, when something, when a client wants something done, the timeline is they want it tomorrow, pretty much, right? In oil and gas, time is money. If you have a rig sitting on a well for a day or two, it could cost the company $100,000. So when I got in the beverage industry, it was, it was push really hard, push really fast. And what I found was the timelines in the food and beverage world are just a lot different. It's a little bit more relaxed. There's category review periods with stores where if you want to get into a certain store, you might only be able to present to them once or twice a year. But because I was pushing so hard and I had that mentality of it needs to be done today, I think we moved a little bit quicker than sometimes other companies do. And that's come at a great advantage. But to, to really answer your question, the same skills that I use managing projects in oil and gas, I'm using here. And I think just because I'm so used to working on tighter timelines, it's actually been a huge value add to our business being in this different industry. That's interesting because I think sometimes people have that, I'll say maybe misconception that, well, I've been only involved in that industry so I can only manage projects in that industry. And sometimes people have that mindset built into them that they're, they're pigeonholed, right? Whereas I think now, especially with the diversification of the economy, you can find that the skill sets can carry across different industries now and and uh, different areas that they may not necessarily have the detailed experience in, right? Exactly, yeah. There's there's really so many parallels, I think, in engineering profession and even the food or beverage business, right? Instead of forecasting production for a well over the next, you know, five years and the economics of that, now I'm just doing that with, you know, how many revived energy teas we can sell. So a lot of the spreadsheets and a lot of the, forecasting and business planning that I was doing in oil and gas and just carrying over now to the beverage side. So I think for anyone in a different industry, it's scary and it's a big challenge, but there's definitely 
a lot of things you'll be able to carry from that other industry into the other ones. And a lot of times it can give you a big advantage because you're going to think about things differently than people who have been in that industry for 10 or 15 years do, because sometimes they do things just because that's the way it's always been done. So you can kind of come in there and shake things up a little bit and, and find ways to innovate and do things differently. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've always found interesting, like jumping to different industries is almost that cross-pollination of information, right? Yes. Of, huh, it's interesting you did it here, but I did something different in a different industry and maybe it can be applied in a slightly different way, right? That might not have been considered because again, you're you're so used to maybe just doing things the way they've always been done, which is a very almost dangerous <laughs> way to go and think about things sometimes. It's so true. Yeah. And we really saw that. I mean, we did things like, you know, early on, I would call, you know, a major retailer, like say Kobe's or so on, for instance, I would just call their head office and ask to talk to somebody about getting our product in. And sure enough, it ended up working in a couple of them. And when we got, you know, brokers and distributors involved who had been in the business for 15, 20 years, they thought it was crazy when I told them that I did that because they're like, that's not how you do it. You got to, you know, plan a meeting and book a review period. And so I, I think, just because our ignorance ended up being an asset in some ways because we we challenged the status quo and we were able to move a little bit quicker than we maybe would have if we had a bunch of industry experience. So it can it can work in your favor too. Absolutely. And I, I think you mentioned some people, they might have that fear, right? Of going into new things and and trying things that are completely out of their realm. What was the biggest thing that helped drive you or help you overcome your fear in moving into a completely different direction? Yeah, really good question for Dan. So for me, it was quite deep. I sort of had this epiphany moment in my life where I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I always wanted to be a leader and do something great with my life. And I got four or five years into my career and I sort of had this just breakdown moment where I really looked at my life and I was like, I have to make a decision here soon because I could feel like my dream is dying, right? You ever have that that feeling where your life is just off course? It's a miserable feeling, right? And, and so for me, it was looking in the mirror. It was like, when I'm 80 or 90 or 100 years old and I'm on my deathbed, even if this fails, am I going to look back and regret it? Or am I going to be feel content that I tried? Because I think the worst thing that can happen to anyone is you look back at the end of your life and you look back and you say, wow, you know, I wish I pursued that business idea or I wish I went for that or I wish I did this, right? You don't usually end up regretting the things that you didn't do instead of the things that you did do. And so as afraid as, as I was, and I was terrified, I was leaving a great career with a great paycheck with benefits to you know start a company where you're, you're not gonna take a paycheck of a company for one, two, maybe three or more years and you're gonna have to figure it out. But it was just that real hard, honest conversation with myself of, is this really what I want to do with my life? And, and one day, am I going to look back and regret this, even if it doesn't work out? And for me, the answer was absolutely not. And so then the decision was easy. And it was just a matter of, of burning the boat, stepping away from my career and, and going all in. Yeah. And I guess to coin a term that the kids use is uh, YOLO, right? <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. As ridiculous as it sounds. It's so true. <laughs> you know, you get one part of this. So if you really want to do something, why wouldn't you at least give it a shot? And that was, you know, that hard moment that I had, had to have with myself, look myself in the mirror and say, just go for it. You know, as terrifying as it is, you know, really what's the worst that can happen, right? It won't work right. out. I'll go back and get another engineering job somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, if, 
anyone else is looking to go into entrepreneurial career, it's it's seeing who else you can leverage if there's other mentors or whatnot that can help guide. And but a lot of it is also that self motivation to really put yourself out there and and give it that go, right? So true, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I gotta say, you know, we're in our second. I'm coming up on my second year anniversary from quitting my job. And like I said, it was a, it was an amazing job. Like I had a great career. I did enjoy it, but I've never been happier in my life, even though I still haven't taken a paycheck out of the company. We have a long way to go. But like I get to come to work every day. I get to work with my best friend. I get to work with my sister. We have staff now that I get to see develop <clears throat> every day. We get customer messages saying how our product has helped them. And there's just nothing more fulfilling than that. It's just been such an incredible journey. And I would urge anyone that you know, if there's something that you really want to do and it's the fear that's holding you back, like the grass is greener on the other side. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably just as green as you want to make it. Right. <laughs> so no, that's excellent advice. And I guess rather than viewing it as a second anniversary of quitting your job, you can say second anniversary of you pursuing your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> my own personal independence. Day, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's great advice that you have there. And so if people want to go and find your energy tea, where should they go to be able to go and find it? Yeah, thanks, Ben. So we're in most of the major grocery stores, especially in Western Canada. So we're in the majority of the Safeway and Sobeys. We're in all the Calgary co-ops, Blush Lane, Nature's Fair, Bike Market in Inglewood. So we're in, in most major grocery retailers. And then available on our website we also have a store locator on our website that shows what all stores we're in we're also on amazon prime so we're in most major retail channels now awesome well i encourage listeners to be able to go and try them out and uh you also have a ton of different flavors as well right yeah and... that's right ben we just released our fifth flavor black cherry and yeah we have, yeah peach we have midnight blackberry we get asked all the time why did you name it midnight so we actually named that in honor. My sister was a nurse working the night shift. So these night shift nurses, of course, is are always relying on caffeine, especially when midnight rolls around. So that's why we named it that. And then we have our Royal Elderberry and yeah, we, strawberry is our original flavor, divine strawberry. Yeah. And before we wrap up here, I do want to ask one question because I always wonder about this is how do you come up with new flavors? Because I feel like this is something that all drink companies, beverage companies, they all kind of go through it. But I always wonder, how do they decide this one's good and this one's bad? And how do you even come up with the original formula for what people should be trying? Yeah. Another brilliant question, Ben. So there's a few things that go into it. So the first and the most important is, is customer feedback, right? So we, you have customers reaching out all the time people telling us you know can you make this flavor i think this flavor would taste great so you kind of collect that data and there's going to be a few flavors that really stand out so that's sort of the first piece the second piece is you want to do some market research you know like peach for instance we we released peach last summer and peach had been like the hottest trending beverage flavor in the industry like it was i think pepsi's top selling skew and most of their beverage lines so that was sort of a piece of it and then three is the actual food science piece and seeing if you can actually develop the flavor. And some flavors that you think would be easy to develop are actually beyond difficult to develop. So for instance, we still, after four years of testing, have not figured out how to get a lemon flavor perfected. Like it's just an incredibly, I guess the, the flavor molecules and lemons are incredibly complex. So that's really difficult. So you have to 
test a lot of things, throw a lot of things at the wall, and then we do blind taste tests. So we put a whole bunch of different beverages in different cups and we get people to come in and taste them and rank them. And until we're consistently winning those blind taste tests, we won't release a flavor. So that's really our process and sort of a few steps that we use to, to get to a new flavor. And it takes, you know, if we're going to release a new flavor from start to finish, you're looking at, it could easily be a year or more. Interesting stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So if people, if you want to go and have uh, energy pick me up, if you're doing physical exercise and whatnot, go and check out Revita Energy Tea. Uh, you can find them at your local stores. And Mitch, I want to thank you so much for your time in joining me, talking about your company and just learning a little bit more about, you know, the inner workings and, and your leadership. Ben, thank you for having me. I think it's so wonderful what you do for local entrepreneurs and how you help develop leaders. And it's just truly a blessing to be on the podcast. I really appreciate you having me. Awesome. Thanks so much. So that was a lot of fun interviewing Mitch Jacobson. I really enjoyed hearing his story about how he's taken his past skills and experience and applied it into something completely separate. As well, just hearing his story of how he overcame his fear and being able to go and try and establish something in his own way. Hopefully you've been able to enjoy this episode. Tune in next time for the next episode of Organized Chaos Cafe. Thanks. Music is brought to you by Gabriella Shu. Go check her out at hillbrightmusic.com. Thanks again for listening to the Organized Chaos Cafe. This is brought to you by Climb Consulting. That's C-L-Y-M-B. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or go to our website at www.climbconsulting.ca. Thank you.